0: all here today. Uh, it has been a while since this many people have been here, and we are thankful and grateful to have you all here uh, with us. We're grateful to have all of you uh, who are uh, joining us via the internet here with us, and we have uh, either knowingly or unknowingly, and at least on my my part has been unknowingly, uh, had kind of a series of sermons on Uh, being faithful. And so uh, as we have been looking at the idea of faithfulness and what that would entail, today I'd like for us to look at the idea of faithfulness in shoe leather. Uh, As we walk through this life, what does God expect from me uh, as we look at faithfulness? I hope it is uh, that you will keep your Bibles open to James chapter 2 uh, we're going to spend the majority of our time in James chapter number two. I have been associated with the church for which Jesus Christ has given His blood for uh, all of my life. I guess forty-three years, and uh, I don't. I don't want to be uh, naive or even bragging about that. But I have uh, that. That is just life, and I am grateful to have had. Uh, the opportunity to be around the truth all of my life. As I watch people and as I understand our desire, I have seen us as the the church uh, throughout the years move from understanding and and studying concepts to uh, really digging deep and even studying words. Uh, We get down as far as to studying the Hebrew and the Greek of of certain words uh, just to understand and know their particular meaning. For example, I could tell you there are four different words in the the Greek language for the word love, and you've heard those probably a hundred times. And and as soon as I say that, you say, yes, I know those words. And, and we understand how those things are different from saying I love God to saying I love my children, I love my wife, and I love um, uh, lemon icebox pie. There There are three or four different words for all of those type things. We have become... Masters at studying the Old Testament and knowing what God would say to his people in that old law. We know all about those sacrifices and what God would have for his children uh, to do on those sacrifices. We become uh, masterful at studying through the epistles and, and reading how, by inspiration, Paul and, and Peter and, and Jude and James would write these words and those words and how we should fit those things together we become masterful at studying the book of, of Acts and seeing where the church is established and, and how it grew and how, by how much it grew. And then in Acts chapter 10, uh, we know where uh, the, the first Gentile convert came into the church. And, and we see that growth and we look at that as we study through the book of Acts and we say, man, that's a great study. Let's go home. You see where the problem is? We, we have become so wonderful at studying those words and those chapters, we've forgotten to really apply those things. Today, let's take an opportunity to look at the, the application of the principles that we find. Let's look at the application of faithfulness. Let's look at taking the church from these four walls... And taking it right out those doors. Taking it to to Hot Springs, Arkansas, who, as we walk around, we notice is dark. We see that that city that we live in as a dark place. And lights of God every now and again shining. Let's see how we can illuminate our city uh, better. Acts holds the key. If you look at the book of Acts, they will tell you, or God will tell you through the pen of Luke, that that church went from house to house, went from dwelling to dwelling, went from place to place, and they would continually teach each other. I think we have that, at least a portion of that. Um, if, if you haven't noticed, uh, there has been a conservative effort during this quarantine time to have some teaching, isn't there? Uh, Sunday, or uh, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., and now a new day, new you beginning at 9 p.m. Make sure you get that. There is uh, May 1st starting a teen class, and then May 2nd, which would be a Saturday each week, starting a girls-only teen class. There are Bible classes on Sunday morning. There There are Bible classes on Wednesday night. If you can't be taught during this time either, You don't want to be or you don't have internet access. And I would hesitate to say in the time in the world in which we live, uh, at least in our nation, you don't have internet access. So as we look at Acts, we see that teaching really is the key, but then there has to be something after that. There has to be some kind of work after that, doesn't there? There's never a point in time in the book of Acts where someone was taught that and they said, "Well, oh, that sounds good. I believe I will I will become a Christian." And then someone go, "Okay." and just walk away from that. There has to be some kind of work after the teaching, doesn't there? Let's turn to James chapter 2 and start in verse number 12. And I believe verse number 12 is probably The key, at least, to this entire passage. This passage is going to be somewhat lengthy, so follow along with me. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Now, from that particular verse, verse number 12, uh, the statements that are going to be made after that are based on the fact that we understand we're going to be judged by the law that we hold in our hands, by that law that we study so frequently. Notice this. Uh, For he shall have judgment without mercy that showeth no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against truth. That is, God is going to expect us, uh, you and I, to follow those things, and he's going to show mercy on us as we do follow those things. What of the prophet, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, give him not those things which are needful to the body, What of the prophet? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest in one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that how, uh, that how by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot, justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. In this particular reading, I'd like for you to look first of all at a faith that has no profit. In verse number 14 and 16, we, we see that faith that has no profit. There the, James would write this, What does it profit, my brethren, if... If you have faith and you don't have works, the the kicker is verse number 15 and 16. How many of us who have a brother or a sister in Christ who comes to us and say, I am starving to death and I have no clothes. Would we say to them, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Hope you get some food. Hope you get some clothes. That's the idea. Who would say, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. And not give them the things that they need. We can see that idea as we look through the congregation. As we look through the the children of God. Sometimes we don't see that when we look outside. Sometimes we don't see the need for people when we look outside of these walls. And there are people who walk past us and our houses and our buildings and, and the cars that we drive every single day. And they need. And we don't see them, and perhaps you don't see them because of the way I don't see them. How many of you take lists with you wherever you go? All right, how many of you speak English? All right, are we here? Okay, good. All right, how many take lists? I, if I have a list, I can check those things off, and I know how good I'm doing by how many things I've checked off the list. Is that just me? Is that a, uh, hopefully that's a guy thing. Maybe it's just a brain thing. And if it's not on that list, it's a 50-50 shot whether I will remember it or not. Miss Brandy would say it's more of a 90-10 shot whether I would remember it or not. But if I have it on that list, I can check those things off. And sometimes I'm so focused on that list, I don't see anybody else. Sometimes you and I are so focused on what's going on immediately in our lives that we don't see the need that are right there before us. We don't see those needs of of people in our community who who certainly have needs. And we have to meet those things. We can't just look at them and say, depart in peace, be warm in the field, I hope you get something. The idea is that we, we talk a good game. I would help this person or that person if I knew. Would you? We have put that to the test here over the past five weeks, haven't we? How many of you have been quarantined? Yeah. hate that word, don't we? Hell yeah. How many of us have gotten a call from someone who says, I need something? How many of us have just looked up and saw our neighbor needed something? How many of you have a neighbor who has grass about this tall? Hopefully the answer is nobody. Because if it's that, hey, if it's that tall, well, we got to get in there and do something about that. How many of us have seen our neighbors who, who couldn't walk out to their, to their mailbox? All those little things, all those little things mean something. They mean something. We have to do more than just talk a good, a good game. You know, when I say to someone, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, this faith with no profit, it doesn't have profit for either group. It's not helping the person who is in need. It's not helping the person who's trying to follow or at least saying they're following after Christ. It has no profit whatsoever. But there is another faith in there that is all profit. Look over, if you will, at verse number 18. Yeah, a man may say, Thou hast works or hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You and I have been actively in a study in Hebrews chapter number 11. And uh, we have entitled that study from time to time, If if Blank Can Do It, So Can I. If Abraham or Noah or Sarah or Rahab or, or Gideon or Barak or... Or David, if those people can do do it toward God, if they can be faithful toward God, then, then so can I. If you read through the book of Hebrews, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 real quick. Real quickly. What you'll read is a faith that is all profit. Look at verse number four. By faith, Abel, right? We always stop right there. See, this this is the faithful hall of fame, right? This is showing us all the faith that Abel had. Really? By faith, Abel, what did he do? Offered. Look at verse number uh, 7. By faith, Noah, what did he do? Built. Look at, uh, by faith, Abraham, what did he do? Left and sojourned and lived in a tent for the rest of his life. By faith, Sarah had a child, by faith Abraham offered, verse 17, verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed, by faith Joseph died and and had his bones moved, by faith Moses refused, by faith Moses forsook, by faith Moses kept the Passover, by faith they passed through the Red Sea, by faith the walls fell down, by faith Rahab did not perish. Do you see any connection between those who have faith, who were mentioned as uh, the most faithful people that the Hebrews writer can make points of? The, The correlation is, here's a man who has faith, and here's a man who shows that he has faith by doing something. Biblical faith is faith plus works equals obedience. That's biblical faith. Look through your 66 books this week. Show me where you find the, the, the verse that would say, Mankind needs only to have some sort of intellectual uh, realization that, that Jesus lived. Even the religious world around us doesn't teach that. They want to think they do. Simply, the religious world around us would say, all a man needs is faith. Is that right? Let's think about that for a moment, logically. Would then the religious world want man to repent? Confess? Give? Is it then required by the religious world around us that they do something more than just have faith? absolutely. And so the idea of faith without works is foolishness. The idea of faith with works is all profit. You have a brother or sister who comes to you and says, I am naked or destitute of daily food, and I get a chance to give that to them. Then they have a need met. And how good do I feel about myself? N- not because I'm just wonderful, but because I have an opportunity To help, because I have an opportunity to fulfill a need for someone. And so as you and I look at at James chapter 2, we have to make sure that we are not a faith of no profit, but we're a faith of all profit. Here's the proof. You say, preacher, that sounds great, but I'd like some proof. Well, you have three examples, really, uh, from 19 through about verse number 26. The first uh, proof that you have are the devil's. That's a great one. Anybody want to be a devil? No, 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 preacher. I don't want to be a demon. You know the demons believe in Jesus the Christ? How many times was it that Jesus would go up to, to cast a demon out of someone and that demon would say, It is not time yet, Jesus. The, you son of God, it's not time yet. Even they knew who he was. They had faith in him, but they weren't willing to do what he said. Look at these other examples. In verse number 21 through 26, was not Abraham justified by faith when he offered Isaac upon the altar? Did he offer Isaac on that altar? From best I can remember, and I may have this wrong, but you you correct me when I'm wrong. Best I can remember, Isaac walked up that hill alive and walked back down that hill alive, right? Right? He didn't offer anybody. You ever, anybody ever read how you sacrifice an offer to God? You, you kill that thing, you take the blood and offer that, you, you offer the, the animal there on that altar, and it's burned up. I have never read in the Old Testament where an offer was made to God on the altar, and then that offer got up and walked away. How is it then that the Bible can say Abraham offered Isaac on that altar when Isaac walked up the hill and back down? Listen, when Abraham has that knife raised in his hand and has every intention of coming down into the chest of his son and killing his son, that son was offered in Abraham's mind. He, he had made up his mind to whatever God required. That's what I'm going to offer. It's not necessary to kill the child once God knew Abraham's mind was set. What was offered instead of Isaac? A ram. Did that ram make it down the hill? No, no, no. He was offered. Was Abraham justified by that? What did God say to him? Now, now I know. Now I know you'll do what I say. Now I know there's no barriers in the way. No barriers at all. Listen, Abraham already left his place, uh, left where he lived. He, he decided to live in the tent the rest of his life and talked his wife into that. That's got to be worth something, isn't it? He, he's now uh, more than 100 years old when he's told, or he's 100 years old and his wife is 90 when they're told they're going to have the first child. Is that not faith enough? Not just yet. As a matter of fact, when when God tells Abraham to offer Isaac, he says, Take your son, your only son, the son that you love, Isaac. He puts four adjectives on who he wants. Because if he said, Take your son, he'd go, Well, Ishmael, it's been a good run for you. No. Take your only son. You know, the only one with Sarah, your wife. Oh, well, that, that takes Ishmael out of the group. The one that you love, you know, Isaac. And then calls him by name. I don't have sons. I have two daughters. Take your daughter, your first or your second. You know, the daughters that you love. You all. I don't know. I don't know that I have the wherewithal to follow God like that. Would you offer your child? It's a hard question to ask, isn't it? Oh, maybe I'm I'm three or four thousand years removed and I say, yeah, I'll do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Was not Abraham justified by God? When he offered Isaac, was he not so justified and was he not such a close follower of God in verse number 23 that he is called, look at this, the friend of God. What a great term that is. A friend of God. By the way, do you know how many people were at Abraham's funeral? God. That was it. God. How about that? What if I'm able to be called the friend of God? What if I have that kind of faith? What if people can can look at me and have their faith strengthened just because of what I do? There you have Abraham. And the second one is obviously a misprint, right? We've looked at her a few times, you know, Rahab. And she is... Uh, more times than not quantified in, in the Scripture by her job title. You know, Rahab the harlot. Oh. she not justified by faith when she hid those spies and sent them out another direction? Well, was she? It's hard-pressed for me to look at Rahab and agree with everything that she did in order to save, in order to hide those spies. I know, and you know, as as well as anybody else, that she lied about it. And I know, and you know, from the the scripture of God's word, that that He doesn't take kindly to lying. Matter of fact, even in this um, instance, He was not all for it that she lied. He did not condone that lie he worked with that lie you know what God's not going to do on anybody anywhere in human history he's not going to make them act one way or another Rahab chose to lie God had to use that in order to save those uh, spies they get home safe and they tell Joshua listen we, we may have made a uh, a deal with the devil here. We we may have done something that is, is completely wrong, but here's what we promised this harlot over in Jericho that if she runs this uh, ribbon outside of her window, we won't destroy her family. He said, well, we're going to have to keep it. wonder what Rahab was thinking when the attack began. You know, in that... That uh, Scarlet is, is flapping outside of her window. And that, that battle begins and she can hear it outside of her house. Maybe she's thinking, I hope they keep their promise. Would her family have been spared if she just said, you know, we made the promise with them. We don't have to put that thing outside the window. Listen. If you don't know the answer to that, here's the answer. They would have been dead with the rest of the folks in Jericho. If they did not do their part, they would have been dead. And God uh, justified her by faith when she did these things. Here's the proof. Were they not justified by faith when they did these things and when they did those things? Yes. When am I justified by faith? What am I supposed to do? What am I doing differently now? You know, the dreaded Q word, the quarantine. What am I doing differently during the quarantine? Is God using the situation of the quarantine in order to kind of shake us awake and say, you've been playing church too long. It's time to put the principle into action time to go outside of here and, and do something. How many of you have neighbors remotely, anywhere or close? Well, the rest of y'all just live on an island? All right. How many of you live with neighbors side by side and one across the street, maybe one behind you? Yeah, I do. How many of your neighbors, all four of those right there in those four areas are all Christians? Me either. I'm not doing anything to teach them. Here's a fun fact about the quarantine. We, we have been segregated back to our own self almost. And all of our neighbors have too. Which means I'm kind of quarantined with them. Either good or bad. And they can't go anywhere neither, so why not teach them? (laughs) Use that to your advantage. Or rather, use that to God's advantage. Let's begin to, to put our faith in shoe leather. My neighbors on either side of me live less than 50 yards away from me. Is the Son of God worth 50 yards? Is he at all? Or is is it worth to say, well, uh, I know they're over there and and they're doing whatever, but I I need to go... Hmm. Is their eternal salvation worth 50 yards? Let's look at this just a different way. Let's turn that coin over. Is yours? Please don't think you're going to make it to heaven alone. Or or me either. In our job, according to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, to go and to teach. I can show you where people are. Walk to their house. That's where they are. They're quarantined the same place I am. Is God using this situation in order to get some attention of the church to shake them in the right direction and say, go get it? Matter of fact, you look at Acts chapter 8 and verse uh, number four, you'll see a, a problem happening in Jerusalem. And uh, as that problem happens in Jerusalem, the church there is shaken to its core and they have to leave. And here's what's said. Se- two things that are interesting about that. One, I think this is the only time, maybe even in recorded history, where the congregation leaves and the preachers stay. And secondly... In Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, when the congregation leaves, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word. What an interesting idea. They had that that faith in shoe leather. Here's the point. The point is found in verse number 24. And I have to ask myself this. Do I have a, a live and an active faith? Or do I have a fake and a dead faith? There is one exclusive time within the confines of the sixty-six books known as the Bible. One single time where God uses the term "faith" only. One time, it's found right here in verse number twenty-four. And by the way, in verse number twenty-four in verse or chapter number two and verse number twenty-four, when He uses the term "faith" only, it is in a negative light. The only time he uses it, he uses it negatively. Here's the whole point of the second part of this chapter. You see then that how, a, that how by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now, let's couple this with uh, Ephesians chapter 2. 8, 9, and 10, because I know there'll be those either here or uh, online who will ask later on, yeah, what about Hebrews 2? It's a great question. You see, there how man is is saved by grace and not by works. Let's put all those things together. Man is saved by grace, is the opportunity to say, or the opportunity to be obedient unto God and his plan. The idea of grace is given by God through Jesus the Christ. What grace is that? That sacrifice that's found on, on that cross outside of Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago is the grace of God given to us. We have an opportunity to say yes or to say no, and that opportunity is extended mankind-wide. So that grace of God through His plan and His sacrifice has been given to mankind you have enough faith to do it. If you have enough faith to do it, then after having that faith and completing those actions that God would know uh, that you and I are going to follow Him, we have had grace given by God, faith that drives works. What an interesting idea. When you look from Genesis chapter 1 throughout the book of Revelation, all the way through history, even up to this point today, every man who was saved by God through his plan was saved by the grace of God through that man's faith and his opportunity to work. It's always happened that way. By faith, Noah built, right? If you look back at Genesis chapter 6, you'll see that, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Grace, faith, works. You see that how a man is justified by works. His faith is justified by works. His faith is proven by works and not by faith alone. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for us as an army of God to become mobile. It's time for us to get out there and and find those who are lost and teach those who are lost We sing a song in in our VBS, and and a lot of times we think of that particular song as being a very juvenile song and a very uh, young song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Do you see the truth in that? Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm I'm going to let it shine. Uh, Yet we may live with it under a bushel. What if people see me? What if people want to do what I do? What if? Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Jesus Christ. There he would write, if you do the things that I do, if you live the way that I live as I follow after Jesus Christ, you too can have a home in heaven. What a great idea of shoe leather faithfulness. Might be the fact that you never have followed God, but you're ready to. It's time for you to hear what God has to say. Here's what he has to say. For all of humanity and for you, I love you, and I don't want you to be lost. But in order not to be lost, in order to be found His servant, His child, there are some things that I must do. I must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I must believe that everything that God has said for the righteous, He will do. And everything that God has said for the wicked, He will do. When I believe those things fully, I am ready to repent of my sin. I don't know what I just hit. I'm ready to repent of my sin. That is, I'm ready to change my mind about what sin is. I'm ready to turn my life around and stop following a path that is wandering from here and there and from lust to lust, but to follow after His plan. I'm ready then to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I'm ready to be baptized. I'm ready to put away that old man of sin, that old man of sorrow, and I'm ready to be raised to walk in a newness of life. Maybe you've already done that. And are you ready to be biblically faithful? By being biblically faithful, that means you're going to have to be active. You're going to have to get after it. You're going to have to see those men and those women around you with needs, and you're going to have to be able to meet those needs. If you've never put on Christ, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. If... You've not been biblically faithful to God. Come back home to a God that loves you, a God that misses you, and to a church family who's been praying for you. And do those things right now while we stand and while we sing.